This episode contains material of a sensitive nature around trauma, death and loss. If you are feeling emotionally distressed or triggered, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or refer to the show notes for additional supports. The following podcast is a part of the Spin Studio Network. You're tuning in to Flawed and Fabulous. I'm Ash, and I like to think that we are all flawed, but we are also fucking fabulous. Welcome to episode eight. Today is part two of last week's episode, which was um, the episode where I went into detail about the passing of my husband and our um, the work. The sorry, today will be more about the work and the process and the tools that I've used to start my healing journey of um, you know continuing to deal with the loss of um, my husband. So if you haven't had a listen to that episode go back and have a listen because today should make a lot more sense. And again, today joining me is Monique Harding from Ritual Counselling. Hi, Monique. Hi, Ash. (laughs) So um, because it is actually still the same day and we've just unloaded all of that information. Oh, and of course, how could I forget producer courts? Guys, I'm here too. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I need to get past all those formalities and not forget what I'm saying and then go into it. But um, today will be more about... um, Monique, it'll be more insight from you in regards to um, your qualifications and your thoughts and um, kind of going back, not so much about what happened on that day, but different techniques that we've used in therapy, different things that have been flagged through our therapy sessions where I thought I was dealing with something quite well and apparently wasn't as well as I thought. Um, And yeah, so do you have any insight from everything that I kind of explained in part one um, before we get into talking about all the different um, tools and things that we've done over the past kind of year and a bit? Yeah, well, I think it's been, I hate the word, but quite a journey, Yeah, hasn't I'm, it? I'm like anti-journey word too. I feel like it's process? such a... Process? Yeah, process. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> process is much better because, yeah, obviously journey is one of those like cool words now to use, like everyone's on the journey. But yeah, for, for me, it's like more of a process of um, the steps. Like, yeah. The, yeah. And I'd like to think that as a therapist that I generally try and keep it pretty real with yes. the people I work with. Definitely. I, I'm pretty down. Sometimes you've like said something to me in family therapy and I'm like, are you on Eden's side? (laughs) In my head. I don't say it out loud. And then I'm like, no, she's right. Damn it. I'm in the wrong. (laughs) I'm a bit of a straight shooter. But I just think from last time and hearing your story, obviously that's a story that I've heard a few times now in differing levels of depth. And there was just so much richness to it and so much learning, I think, for professionals like me in terms of how we respond to people like you, Um, but also for like helping professionals, the paramedics, the police, you know, how they interacted with you on that day. Um, So I really think that even friends and how they support people going through grief. Definitely because, you know, it's um, one of those things, courts, you can relate when you have something going on in your life and the people around you don't know how to deal with it and they could be trying to be super helpful but what they're actually doing is like the complete opposite and there's just not much awareness on how to deal with like shitty situations and, you know, what's the best approach, the right lingo and, you know, someone being like, 
oh, I don't know how you do it. And I'm like, me either, but I'm doing it because this is what I've got to do. So, but they mean well. They're trying to like be like, oh, you know, you're doing such a good job, but, you know, there's different ways about saying it. And I think like in today's episode we'll touch on, you know, positives and how to flip a flip a sentence to like, you know, not trigger someone as to feeling like worse than when you first started talking to them. Yeah, and just how to sit with someone when they're in pain and they're in those kind of emotions as well. I think as Australians, we don't do grief and difficult stuff particularly well. Um, You know, the majority of people I see, they when I ask them who else knows about what they've been going through, I hear the answer, no one, more often than not which is pretty heartbreaking really. Yeah, definitely. And, and to feel alone when you're already feeling shitty yes. is like double whammy. Yeah, but we can all learn how to be better friends, better partners, better mothers, um, yeah. better husbands, yeah. you know. So I think if you're open to it, then there's definitely some really like easy tools and different pieces of advice that hopefully we'll get to touch on today. Yeah, definitely. So in the first episode or part one, mm-hmm. you talked about tapping and I didn't yes. want to ask then oh. what it was and all that kind of I'm stuff. I'm glad I brought that up. I don't remember everything I said. So <laughs> tell us more about what that is. Well, I think Monique, you can um, you can do your professional lingo on the tapping and then it was something that we actually did, which was probably the biggest breakthrough that we had had together in the past year, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, I agree as well. I think, um, so I don't want to bore you all to sleep with my (laughs) clinical lingo, so I'll just try and keep this as accessible as possible. Um, I guess most people think of tapping as the emotional freedom technique where there's a lot of different books, there's a lot of different stuff around that currently in the spiritual self-development world. Um, That's not the kind of tapping that Ash is referring to though. What she's talking about is a, a psychological intervention called radical exposure tapping or RET. So it's an integration of two different trauma therapies. One's called EMDR and um, takes the tapping sequence from EFT. And basically it's just a really good way to process any kind of trauma, any kind of difficult memory that you have that is still impacting on your day to day. Yeah. And part of the reason why you probably suggested to do that is because I had brought up my... um, the way that I felt around swimming pools and I kind of, we had a conversation that, you know, I was like, well, isn't that just normal? Like uh, if I hear the word like drowning or if I hear, you know, being around swimming pool, shouldn't I have these like flashbacks? Shouldn't I think of that? Like, wouldn't it be weird not to? I had just been dealing with it for so long and thought that it was normal that um, I just had accepted that I would forever feel, you know, super uncomfortable when, you know, those words were mentioned or around a pool. And Monique was kind of like, "Mm, no. (laughs) And you were aware of that too, Ash. Like a lot of the people I work with aren't even aware of their trauma triggers because what we know about the brain and memory is that when you're emotionally heightened, like you're flooded with emotion, which you would have been in that particular event, then it overrides the memory centers of your brain. So you don't encode memory in an autobiographical kind of way. It's not like start beginning, like a beginning, a middle and an end. You get fragments of the memory, fragments of the emotion, fragments of the body sensations. So all of a sudden you're smelling something, your muscles are all tight or you're starting to feel sick. And that's typically more of the cases I see. Whereas you had obviously got into a process where you're picking up on that one trigger. But I guess I was kind of thinking, well, if if you're aware of that one, there's probably a whole lot of others yeah. that you're not aware of. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of when 
I guess you hear people telling these stories of, well, you know, I can't put my finger on what happened, but then for three days later I was lying in bed crying yeah. and I couldn't get out of bed, but yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And, um, yeah, and I probably also um, – one of the other things that I probably wasn't dealing with very well was like, um, even though I was saying like I had accepted that this was my life, I was underlyingly probably a bit angry and bitter that it was my life. But even though I was positive and, you know, this is my life, I'm going to live it. But I also still had the, why me? Why did this happen to us? Like, this isn't fair. Like, and so I was carrying like a bit of that probably around like the the circumstances too, but um, you know the, I didn't you know get to say goodbye and you know yeah. like you know com- comparisons to you know different people's like stories and I'm like oh at least I got to say goodbye and you know I'm holding on to all of this so um, through the tapping exercise that we did we kind of like revisited all of that and it opened up um, a different side of um, emotion that I had really not ever experienced. Um, because we tried more talk therapy stuff. Yes. Yeah. And I'll just talk my way through it. <laughs> well, you're very good at that. Yeah. Ash. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, talk, talk, talk. Yeah, I'm sweet. I'm fine. Like, you know, let's talk about Eden and like everyone else in the family. I'm totally fine. Um, and I guess for me, as your therapist, a bit of a red flag, if yeah. I'm honest, yeah. because um, there wasn't a whole lot of emotion there. So I yeah. knew that that emotion was in there somewhere. Yeah. And talk therapy, you're sitting in those like higher thinking regions of your brain, you're making sense of things, whereas I wanted to peel you down yeah. and delve a little bit deeper. And I think that's where like that's where we kind of got to with the tapping. Yeah. And when I first visited the the therapist, because I touched on that in the um, part one, um, I know that you wanted to go into more detail about like she didn't just send me away and be like, there's nothing, nothing, nothing to do here. You're totally fine. Um, and if it came across like that, that is not by any means what I was meaning. Um, it was just at that time um I wasn't there yet but you can probably Monique explain a little bit more why that could have possibly have been said or yeah yeah. like I know that that therapist was a very experienced therapist so I guess um I'm coming to this assumption as more of a presumption yeah um but I think that she would have been very aware of what your coping mechanisms were and you said that it was kind of within a one-year window Oh, yeah, I think it was like maybe like three months. Yes. Yeah, three yeah. months after Hormuz. So Hormuz, pretty so was, early yeah. on, typically people at that point are more in a shock stage mm. of grief. Yeah. So the work that you can do there from a therapeutic perspective is pretty limited. Yeah. If you walked into my clinic at that point in time, really all I could do with you is work around regulating your nervous system. So calming you down, some self-care, um, relaxation strategies, just to bring you back down to a baseline where it will eventually be safe to do more of the processing kind of work. Yeah. And typically that takes about a year. Yeah. Like it's quite a long time. And then in a very small percentage of the population, about one in 10, they actually never move past that. Comp- it's called complicated grief. Yeah. So you literally wake up every single day feeling like your husband has died the day before. Yeah. Wow. Like, so if, if that's you and you're listening to this, like, I would be saying pick up your phone, yeah. call somebody, there's help out there. And I did have um, medication prescribed to me um, in the beginning, but it was to sleep. 
Yes. Um, because obviously I had shared a bed with someone, not every night as we found out, but I had shared a bed for the past, you know, 10 years with the same person and, um, you know, learning to sleep alone and the kids were so little, they'd be going to bed at like six thirty, seven o'clock and my interest in TV shows and things like that had kind of gone out the window. So I was literally just lying in bed, um, not being able to sleep. Um, I wasn't on like, I can't remember, it was, began Demazabin, Tamazepam or something yeah. along the lines of that um, and it was a very low dose it was just basically so when I went to bed I was actually resting and yeah. not waking up after three hours and then trying to function through the whole day for um, you know on little sleep and stressed out and everything else so um, I wasn't on it for a long time um, I chose by myself to take it off my prescription was for a lot longer um, but yeah I just felt like I didn't I didn't need it once I actually had like you know a, a month's rest like yeah. I was actually sleeping because in the first probably like um, 10 days I didn't sleep like at all and there was things to organize like funeral and then I had relatives and then um, you know we were going to Fiji on a holiday that mm. like I had to be like are we going to this are we not like the kids like they need this should do that for them so the business like there was just so many different things that obviously when it came to being quiet and alone I was no chance of me sleeping it's like your survival meds really yeah. just so you could function yeah, I'm so glad you brought up medication though because I mean I don't prescribe meds I'm, yep. I'm not a psychiatrist yeah. I'm in the psychology side but yeah. um that's like the biggest misconception around this topic yeah. is people go to their GP and they ask for antidepressants yeah but your brain on with depression is different to your brain on grief yeah you can give somebody who's grieving antidepressants and it will do very little to alleviate any of their symptoms right. what you really need is time yeah. and the people around you to be supportive yeah. and comforting and to bring you the casserole after six yeah. weeks yeah. and <laughs> for it not to stop at that yeah. point yeah um and also for your life to resume a little bit of normality you know you don't yeah. want someone sitting in that period of shock for too long yeah as well yeah no and I agree with that too and I was kind of pretty firm with myself on that that I was like I don't want anyone to do anything for me I didn't like accept any food the first thing I said what I did you do with the food um I know I'd like no one brought any because I was oh. like my like literally could have like did a like a public service announcement don't bring me food don't waste your time I'm not eating it I don't like other people's food so my <laughs> my bless my two friends from Melbourne they did come and they um like were in a apartment and they went and cooked all food and that was like the only food and I fed it to people when they came over but um I did didn't um, actually eat any food at that point. I think I was having like half an apple a day for like a month. That was wow. all I was eating and I was probably drinking red wine also. So it was like a fruit-based diet that I was on. <laughs> um, but I was still functioning. So, you know, not not saying go for it, guys, but I'm going to be honest about like the process that I lost a lot of weight. I lost about six kilos in a month. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would love to lose those six kilos now, but <laughs> they just stay. <laughs> they just, like, keep on staying. Um, but, yeah, and it took me um, maybe a year to, like, get back to my, like, regular weight that I was um, because there was just a lot going on in that initial year and I probably wasn't looking after myself as best as I could. Um, and that was, um, yeah, I think once... You know, I knew that I was okay to some degree. I then went into, okay, well, I've got to make sure my kids are okay. I've got to make sure my business is okay. Like, you know, and then what I learned over that time was probably a little bit more damaging that I was bearing my feelings 
and putting other people's feelings first. Yes. And we had a conversation the other day actually when I told you how um, I invited all my friends around. Yes. Um, after Horn passed away, I was like, I don't tell this story all the time. So I like organised like my An coming event. out, <laughs> my coming out party of like what happened. So there was like 20 of my girlfriends came over to my friend's house. We sat there, we had wine. I told them all the story once. I said, we're never to talk about it again. Um, don't corner me like at a party when you're drunk and be like, oh my God. Like, I'm like, this is the time we talk about it and then we don't talk about it again. So that in itself was not healthy that I did that. That is like not the norm of how you like go about it, but I did that. And then to be perfectly honest, I think people were then too afraid to have discussions with me and then when life was progressing and things were happening in my friends lives they were always like oh no I can't talk to you about that because you didn't talk to us about like your problems and or you weren't upset when you know your husband passed away and I'm just talking about you know I got fired or like my boyfriend broke up with me and I was like no like I'm your friend I'm a real person like I love you I'm so sorry like if me doing that has like shut off you know, you yeah. being able to, to talk to me. like So, so your you, message is kind of don't do that. Yeah, you don't, know, don't do make that. me the comparison behalf Definitely or not. whose Never life is can, worse. No, and nobody should be doing that. I'm so, so passionate about that, the amount of people that have said to me like, oh, yeah, but like this happened. And then I started doing it myself. Like I would mm. be like, oh, yeah, you're telling me a real sad story. Like, oh, you know, oh, your nail broke. And I'm like, really? Like this just go away and yeah. I didn't want to be that person I actually wanted if someone's telling me something that's going on in their life I want to be like wow like that you know you need to do this this and this or can I do something for you or yeah. you know be more of a help and I guess that's what the podcast is too is to create that awareness within friendship in families that you know and to you know look out for things which I guess you can go into a little bit more detail that there might be some red flags that you think are really normal at uh, being a, a, a general public but are coming from from a therapist perspective that, you know, they're signs that, you know, people are struggling or that they, you know, might need some support. And I think it's also just being really aware of like the social construction of grief and trauma as well. So if you see someone functioning really, really well with a smile on their face, laughing, you know, yep. resuming their normal activity really quickly, I guess that's looked upon positively because we're a bounce back culture, you know, yeah. it's all about the battlers and yeah. getting back on getting back on the horse. And yeah. but really if that's happening too quick, it's maybe the case that that person's pushing themselves a little bit too and fast I too soon. Totally did that. I like even when you've given me analogies or gone back and things, I can see that I did that. Would I go back and change it? I don't know. Hmm. Because like I um, that was your process. It was my process and I didn't know any different at the time and um, it's definitely, if I'm going to choose how I am, I definitely want to be the smiley, you know, person that's laughing and having fun and still enjoying this life that I get to live and I'm so grateful for that all the time. But in the same instance, I was also like I would have alone time and I would be exhausted from being so smiley all yes. the time. Yeah. yeah. And then so... You know, I did have some really um, dark days too um, and that would usually entail like me, um, I've like it's like not, it's like a, a, I call it like an emotional day. I do like let myself for that like day do whatever I wanted. If I had like three ice creams and I cried and like, you know, and if I'm, I'm on the table that if I'm let myself cry, I'm like, 
drenched in tears, like snots everywhere. I'm rubbing it on my jumper, like I'm, my ears are blocked, like my face is swollen, like I've really like let it all That's out. quite the visual, Ash. Yeah, I know. But, and then, because you know, it's such a contrast to how I usually yeah. am. Um, but then if I watch a movie and something bad happens to someone, I'm like, oh, it's so sad. Like I can cry straight away. But when it was me, I was just like... No, no, no. And then I would hold it in for so long that I would be like in a volcano eruption. But would you consciously choose that day? Like would you say this is my no, day? No, I'd reach my limit. Yeah. Like the volcano would just go off and I would – and luckily for me, like, you know, I've always had support with the kids and the amazing team at work that like if I didn't go to work, everyone knew it was like a serious like down, down, man down. Like we had <laughs> a problem, like just let her be, like no one call her, like da da da, da. And I actually remember one time um, I had just started seeing Eden at the time and um, he um, – like I was – like <laughs> all the curtains in the house were like completely closed – it was like maybe like 11 a.m. and I was just in there and I was just replaying um, Horn's funeral songs. Like there's like nine of them. They were just like over and over again for seriously like eight hours. I just laid there like I just didn't get out of bed. Um, like my sheets were saturated and dirty with snot and tears. And um, Eden has like come in and he's like, oh my like he wasn't like, oh my God, but he had never seen me like that either. It was like the first kind of meltdown in our like new relationship state. Yeah. And he, you know, and he is a quite a sensitive, emotional person too. He like really feels emotions. So he was so taken back that I was like that. But he was also kind of like, yay, she cries. Like yes. I'm not the only one now that cries. Yeah. Um, but and you tend to find, I guess, with people who default more to suppressing emotion um, and where it's it's a scale, like it's a spectrum, right? Like you're not one way or the other. You kind of sit with a preference somewhere in the middle maybe or maybe a bit more towards the suppressor or yeah. a bit more towards the person who really feels it. Yeah. Um, but – Typically it does build up and then when it rains it pours. Yeah. So as you said, like I love that, the volcano, yeah. like mm. outpouring because that's very different to say for someone with anxiety, one strategy would be assigning like some worry time. So rather than you sitting around worrying all the time every day, you know that at 5 o'clock till 5.30 you can sit down with your pen and your paper and write out all of your worrisome thoughts, that's done, I'm in control, now I'll go back and live my life. Yeah. But as you said, it wasn't you saying, okay, Saturday's my sad day. Yeah, It was more it just getting too much, too overwhelming, I can't yeah. put on this face anymore. Yeah, and after those days did like happen like I think there was only like three of them that happen in like a shorter like in the lead up of like you know anniversaries and things like that then um I started to get to know my emotions a bit better and I'd be like okay kids are bath fed bed iPads whatever they're like happy or usually when they're asleep so they didn't actually see me crying um I would then go sit out on my balcony I'd pour my wine I like would just put music on not funeral songs and I just sit there whether I would do like an Instagram post explaining how I was feeling because it wasn't then like a conversation it was just like a statement and I could like not have anyone like pick at me like and like try and get more out I just like left that there and then I'd probably sit there and I would be like yeah I've had my like two glasses I've had my little cry and it wouldn't be like the monsoon volcano it would just be like a little cry and then I'd be like okay I've let that out and now I'm gonna go to sleep and I'll wake up and tomorrow's a new day I really would like it hasn't really happened to me that many times where I've woken up in the morning bam crying it's usually like the progression of a day and then it gets to be like nighttime like I'm gonna let it out now 
yeah. it's coming. <laughs> and that makes sense, right? Because you wake up and you are so focused on what you've got to achieve. Like yeah. you're a busy woman. Yeah. <laughs> you're a mum. Yeah. You're a partner. You run a successful business. So yeah. you've got to tick all those boxes. And then by the end of the day, like, all right, I can release this now. Yeah. But I guess what's interesting about that is that you know, we can't selectively numb emotion either. No. So if you're numbing all of this sadness and pushing that all to the side, then unfortunately, like the research would say, you're not really experiencing the joy and yeah. the happiness. And that it's good that you mentioned that because that's why I have my morning like routines. So having that time for myself in the morning, whether it's my sunrise, my sauna, my beach walk, listening to a podcast, an audio book, that like positive, joyful energy that I get from that, usually then any like inkling that I had of like, maybe I'm not okay, it really starts to eliminate that. Yes. So, and then knowing yourself, what makes you happy, what makes you recover, what you need is probably one of the biggest things I've probably really learned in like the past year. And also um, through therapy, learning to communicate rather than like letting myself be a volcano and then um, being like, oh, you don't help me, you don't do anything. I'd be like, even like I with um, the factory burning down, I said to Eden, I was like, I'm going to need you to like be here. Like he's always there. So it's not in that degree. I'm like, but I'm like the doer, as you know, like I'll do all everyone's lunches. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll organize every kid's activity, da, 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 where he's more um, like hands on in the sense that he'll take the kids out for a play like all day or, you know, like take them to the park or motorbike riding. But like, it's like I will do all the organizing, which goes unnoticed for kids. They have no idea who's organizing (laughs) all of their stuff. Um, And I'm just like, I'm going to need help. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever really fully asked someone for help before. And then we had a conversation about it. He was so great. He's like, what type of help are you meaning? Like, da, 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 where can I, you know, I leave him like, you know, if it's cooking dinner twice a week or if it's, you know, school pickups when school goes back, like, I don't know what my year is going to look like yeah. now. Get really clear um, on it. Yeah. And the conversation is just a, like game changer. Like just it's so good. communicating how you feel rather than like holding it in and being like, no, I'll just make it work. I can yeah. I can do everything. Um, and I can't obviously from last week's episode saying that I, you know, said things that I didn't mean in the heat of the moment. That's also been something that I've really worked on that even in therapy, like I know sometimes Eden will go to say how he's feeling and then I'm like ready to be like, no, I don't agree. And then I'm like, okay, I need to be silent and let him say his bit because like it's his turn and then let him finish and, you know, explain. And then sometimes it's not, I wouldn't, don't feel this, the same as I did at the start as I did at the end if I just let him say his whole piece and not cut him off. Listening is so much harder than speaking. Yeah. What's that phrase that yeah. you always <laughs> yeah. use? I get to say it now. Um, so we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. I love that. And that's that. to listen more and talk less. So I heard it somewhere. I can't remember where I heard it, but that for me, when I did hear it, it was just like a massive light bulb went off. And now you can also like let people like talk and you're like, you are just making the biggest dick of yourself but continue like I'm actually enjoying this and so yeah it's definitely for me like listening listening more has really changed a whole lot in my relationships I quote you all the time in my work with couples so (laughs) (laughs) thank you for that and it's not even yours (laughs) I know it's not even mine and I'm like because I've listened to so many like positive things over like the last like year I have no idea where I picked it up from so if anyone knows you can be like it is not yours you got it from here (laughs) please let us Uh, know (laughs) Yeah, but I'm I'm stealing it. I love it. 
I love that you talked about um, the morning routines, yep. though, because that's something that I think is a really helpful tool for people who are working through grief. And I yep. know something that you found really comforting. Yeah. Um, I'm going to get a little bit like neuroscience nerdy on you Um, but it really helps to have an understanding of the brain and how it works when you are trying out some of these different tools and techniques and one thing that we know from all of the brain research is that um, our brains default to negative so if you wake up in the morning and you're not giving it any positive input you will naturally start thinking negative thoughts wow I did not know that yeah which is crazy yeah so if you have the other way around (laughs) right the difference the world would be i mean there's all these theories that it's from when we were like fending off tigers and um but i mean you'd like to think we've gotten a little bit more (laughs) yeah (laughs) you'd think so um but that's why you know having that kind of regular something to look forward to that's consistent can be really helpful for someone navigating that grief process. Yeah. And I'm not talking about you know returning to work or something. It can be just something as small as I wake up every morning and I read a page in this book yeah. or I go for my walk on the beach yeah. or I listen to a song that's not a funeral song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't suggest doing that. But yeah, just having that um yeah, that positive outlet to start your day is definitely been transformational. I think because obviously not everybody has been through grief no. in a sense. So I think I want to ask a few questions people who have been through things yes. just generally. Um, so you spoke in the last podcast about how you sort of were waiting for that moment when you're walking through a shopping centre and maybe you have a meltdown or you yeah. see that in movies all the time where yeah. it's like the woman suppresses all her emotions yeah. and it comes out in a very awkward She's eating time. ice cream out of the tub in her robe for yeah. like four days. <laughs> a Bridget Jones. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, even for me, I've got some things that I'm, I'm not sure – we're strangers right now, Monique, but we've just met, so <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've listened to the podcast. I have things going on as well that um, I'm having a lot of people say things to me like, um, oh, you're dealing with it so well, but maybe you should see a therapist. Like you might have a moment where you're not dealing with it. You need to see a therapist. Like, And how do how does people know, like, am I okay? Am I going to have a meltdown? Am I not dealing with this well? I think I'm okay. Am I? How do you know? I guess a lot of people, if it's been something really significant, like if you've received some bad news or something that has been quite, you know, life-altering or tra- or a traumatic kind of event, um, it, it, it's typically a good idea to just check in with a professional. Yeah. Um, just to kind of see where you're at. Like Ash did originally, you know, yep. at that point in time, it wasn't something that was going to be particularly useful for her. And I'd like to think that most of us are pretty ethical and would tell you that. But I guess intrinsically within yourself, like if you sat down and if you were doing a journaling exercise and you just let your thoughts and your emotions kind of flow, where are they headed? Are you are you noticing maybe you're not sleeping as well as you usually have? Um, all of these kind of things require a fair bit of insight really. Is your weight going up or down? Um, are you feeling like, you know, a little bit more on edge. Sometimes it can come out in anger or an anxiety. or um, So you, you do need a bit of insight, I guess, if, if the people around you aren't calling you on that. But I guess what I find often happens as well is they kind of call you on it when you don't really need it. So maybe you're feeling like you're actually okay at this point in time. But generally, if you know the majority of my friends were saying that it would be a good idea for me to go and see someone... I'd, I'd probably just book in for like a 50-minute session. Yeah. <laughs> probably worth the investment. <laughs> and also because we're in Australia, for those listening, um, we have a, quite a good health care system in Australia. And do you want to give everyone a little update on what is available if they are feeling like there is 
um, you know, they need to talk to someone and support. Yeah, so it's a, a tiered system, I guess, in terms of support here in Australia, which is all funded by our federal government. Um, so you, there's always, you know, your lifelines or um, different uh, not-for-profits, n- uh, non-government organisations you can call. But then there's also the Better Access program, um, which basically you go to your GP, you have a bit of a chat to them about your mental health, what you might be experiencing, and then they determine, uh, do a bit of an assessment, I guess, and determine whether it would be helpful for you to see a psychological professional. So under that, um, you can see a psychologist, you can see a mental health social worker, or you can see a mental health OT. So they're, they have to be properly qualified people. So I guess yeah. that kind of protects you a little bit too, yeah. in terms of some of the counselling professions aren't so well regulated, unfortunately. Yeah. And one of the other things too is are there, are there sorry a, just back oh, on sorry. that. So there's a certain amount of free sessions. Is there? Is that what happens with that? You can get up to ten sessions um, at a rebated rate. So that typically with most um, most professionals, it will cover about half of the session cost, maybe a little bit more. Okay. Yeah. So it just makes it a little bit more accessible, I guess, for those people who really need the help. Yeah. And what I was going to say, sorry, was that. Um, if you go to see a therapist and they don't gel with you, don't give up. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just like if you go to like a, a restaurant for the first time and you don't really like it, you know, or if you watch like a Netflix series and the first episode's a bit weird but then you're really into it by the fifth session, like you have to also understand that this is a random professional person that you're going in to talk your feelings about, it's not easy. It does. It's not going to feel great. It is going to feel a bit like icky and weird. And sometimes, um, you know, when you're there, you have these breakthrough moments or you have these breakdown moments. And then afterwards, you can sometimes still feel a little bit icky. And, you know, um, that's when I um, journaled, uh, like the most I've ever journaled in my whole entire life was after our tapping session, which, you know, it just flowed and it just made me, you know, um, just want to keep writing, but to to not like give up if you feel like it's something you need um, to either keep at it with that person until you know you're really certain that they're not the right fit for you, and maybe try someone else. But it's not it's not going to feel normal, and it's not going to feel great in those first couple of sessions because you know you, one you're divulging everything. That well, the, the first time I remember when Eden and I came to see you, like you know we only like it's a timed. So like by the time like Eden had told his story, I was like, okay, well we got to go, we got to come back next. And then, you know, Eden is a little bit more, he was a little bit more, what's a resent, uh, resilient, no, what's a restrained? What is that word when you push Reserved? back? No, like pushing back. They didn't want it at the start. Like reluctant? Reluctant. Yeah, he was, sorry, I'm like, Relu- wow. It must be R. And so he was a bit more reluctant as in like, oh, you know, like these, I've done this before, like it doesn't work, like, you know, um, We've already been like three times, you know, we haven't learned anything. And I'm like, it's the process. Like, you know, Mm. Monique has to take in all the information and then she's got to, you know, she can't just be giving like, you know, um, one-sided because when when we first went, we were going for family. We weren't going for our individual needs. So to then she's got to learn about the kids and then there's three of them. And, you know, so like it is definitely like, you know, a lot of information to – listen to, to process and then to, you know, give your advice. And so like if we were just like, oh, well, we went three times and we didn't hear anything, like we're not going back. I think what you touched on then was really useful as well, Ash, because 
we call it therapeutic alliance, I guess, in, yeah. in the industry, but um, that is that relationship, that bond. Yeah. So even if you're feeling like the process itself might be a little bit slow or you're wanting something specific from the therapist, give that feedback in the session to them. That's yeah. our job is yeah. to keep you, you know, you're, to, to make you a happy customer. Yeah. Um, but if you feel like you're vibing with that person though and you're feeling understood, you're feeling respected, then it's worthwhile, you know, keeping investing in it because that is actually correlated with better outcomes for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's like one of those things where you're like, well, I don't know what we're supposed to be doing, so, like, we're just going to run with you. And Eden and I are definitely more forthcoming now in our sessions than when we just used to sit there and be like, okay, tell us what to do. Like now yeah. we're like, okay, we've spoken about it before we got here. We want to hit on this, this and this and, you know, yes. we want to like move forward with that. And I think that's been an orientation um, to therapy for you guys as well. Yeah. Like one of the first questions that I always ask any client is how would you know that today has been useful for you? Yeah. You're investing 50 minutes of your time to sit down with me. Are you wanting to walk away with a specific piece of information? Yeah. Is there something that you just can't wait to get off your chest? Do you yeah. really want to tell me about this? Do you want advice on this? Because if I don't know what you're buying, you're never going to be a happy customer, yeah. right? Well, it's like a fishing expedition. Like yes. if you don't come forward with what you're actually here for, well, then you're just going to go round and round circles. So. And sometimes you don't know what you're here for, but then that's my job to yeah. ask Good enough questions. Keep on digging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say, Cor? Um, something else that Ash and I have spoken about many times, we've already touched on a little bit today, mm. but I wanted to go a little bit more in depth. And you posted the other day and it really resonated with me. I think it was on your Insta story. Mm -hmm. It was something that you had actually shown her, Monique. Yeah. And it was a post about um, things that people do say and shouldn't say when someone's experienced a trauma and then what they should say instead. And so for someone like me who um, has, you know, received some medical news it hasn't been great um I'm getting a lot of like um oh but here's a silver lining or it's not as bad as it could be or um like oh I think I'm more upset than you are about it and it's like it makes Ugh. you like why are you saying that to me like you know what I mean like and so I, I just thought maybe it might be helpful for someone to hear like one how how can I better process people saying that kind of shit to me I know that that that's Meanwhile. coming from a bad place. But it's but like, sick think about it. <laughs> what you're saying to me first, you know what I mean? But then also if someone has someone in their life that is going through trauma, yeah, what should they say instead? It's a two-way street. It's not easy. So has that been a unpleasant experience this has turned for you, into a you would say? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we wanted it to be. See? <laughs> Sorry, something I'm else. getting the – you haven't said it explicitly, but I'm getting the impression that this has been an unpleasant experience Oh, yeah. I found out in December I have stage four cancer. Okay. So not ideal. Um, we're dealing with it though. Yeah. So we've got like lots of treatments coming up and stuff. Sure. But obviously that's, you know, shocking news to the hear. trauma. Since I wasn't – Sick at all. It was just yeah. melanoma. It just happened to happen. Okay. Um. And so it's it started from I feel completely fine to all of a sudden oh I have a very serious thing happening to me and I still feel like physically I don't feel sick or anything. So it's been quite shocking, obviously. Yeah, because you don't look sick and you yeah. don't feel sick. Like people are kind of like, well, is it like it? We the words are scary, but you you don't look scary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I'm getting a lot of like I just had the surgery, they cut out the cancer and now I have to do more treatment and I've just gone back to work and I just do everything like I normally do. And so there's been a lot of like, oh, you don't seem like you're upset. Why aren't you upset about it? Or like maybe you're not handling it very well and you're masking how you're feeling. Or then there's like, oh, well, it could be worse. It could be cancer in more places than you have right now. And it's like, okay. <laughs> 
Ew. Yeah. <laughs> but like For people, starters, but like there's a lot of that. Yeah. But, but like from genuinely, yes. yeah, well-meaning yes. people. They just like they're uncomfortable, like they're trying to pep you up, but they don't know anyone else yeah. with stage four cancer, so you're and like. Sometimes like, I think. They're po- trying to put a positive spin on it for themselves Absolutely. more than me. Yeah. And I think that's a really... So they can walk away from the conversation like, I nailed that. <laughs> I made it feel so much better. <laughs> that's a helpful thing for you to remember though, isn't it? Because that's yeah. almost like a coping cognition, like a coping thought yeah. for you to keep in mind. But if that kind of keeps happening with like a specific person, you kind of need to get really good on communicating back to that. So rather than you just swallowing it. Those cars. (laughs) What is it that you actually need? Exactly like what Ash was talking about before. So rather than her her sitting back and letting people decide for themselves how they want to communicate and how they want to support her, she's gone to Eden and specifically said, I need this from you right now. Yep. Yeah. So you don't necessarily need to say to them, what you're saying to me is wrong and it's really hurting my feelings, but just right now I'm back at work because that's where I need to be and I need to continue on with my life and this is what I need from you. And so what kind of things should people be saying when they hear people are going through a hard time or they have lost their friends? I'll reshare the post too and maybe, um, yeah, we can put a, like a link obviously to Monique's um, page for more information on stuff yeah, like that I think that on too. my blog I wrote something about like four ways to support your grieving friend or something. That There's definitely something up there that I wrote a yep. couple of years ago as well. And this particular post that we're referring to, which Ash will share, um, or you can just go to my Instagram at Ritual Counselling, is it's pretty generic. Like even um, I was just thinking about the first one was around kind of practical assistance and Ash was saying before that um, – you know, she didn't want that because she doesn't like other people's cooking. So, um, but typically, you know, like I'd have complete strangers, like if you want me to take the kids for you for like the day, like they can come with me. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, my kids don't know who you are. (laughs) Their dad's just died. And hey, go to a stranger's house for the day. And they're like, and we'll take them for a swim. Yes. And I'm like, I don't want my kids in a pool at your house, like right now, like the thanks for the offer. And I'm like, Okay, no problem. <laughs> and I think Thank one, you. <laughs> one of the biggest things that I've noticed, and I don't know what you guys have experienced, but from the stories that I hear working with people is that there seems to be like this time pressure to get on with things yes. or time pressure to um, to go and see somebody. So it's like, oh, well, you're not coping, so maybe you need to go and see someone now rather than somebody just simply saying to you, I'm here for you, take all the time you need. Yeah. Like process this in your own way and when you need me, I'm here. And in your example, Courtney, of what you are going through, what you're processing at the moment is slightly different but also somewhat similar in ways. Like there's still an underlying grief process, I would imagine, um, that you're trying to, to navigate some pretty complex emotions. And so for people kind of sitting outside of that, you know, they haven't caused this for you. They haven't asked for this for you. So really, it's not really their role either to come in and rescue you. You know, yeah. you don't need the rescuers, you just need the supporters. Yeah. 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 Whereas if you have caused something in somebody's life, like you've been part of it, like, um, I can't think of any example which isn't doesn't sound really extreme, but um, yeah. if you've witnessed somebody's trauma and you've stayed quiet, then it is 100% your role to be more advocating for that person getting support and you apologising for that 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Like yeah. slightly different situations. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely. Interesting. Don't tell us there's a silver lining. We don't want to hear no, that. No, <laughs> no silver lining. Everything happens for a reason. Oh, that's the one I got as well. It's like, really? Okay. That's like with... Um, and I, when you believe in like the universe... And then, like, you, like, you use that yourself, that yes. saying, and then you're like, but I cannot physically say that yep. in relation to this. Like, I don't believe it and, like, but you have to believe it always. And I'm like, but I don't. The silver lining thing can be, seems to be the most common one. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I thought everything happens for real. Oh, it's meant to be. Yeah. yeah. And even with, that. like, Eden and I seeing each other and both of our partners, like, passing away and that we dated when we were 19, so many do you think it was meant to be? I'm like, no, I do not think that my husband had to die wow. for this. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, I um, I have to go through fertility treatment to save my eggs in case the immunotherapy affects my fertility. Right. And then we kind of found out that I'm not really that fertile at all. <laughs> um, oh. And so I got like, a, oh, well, it wasn't meant to be then Ooh. from a friend. And it's like, I don't want to hear that. Yeah. And, again, it's <laughs> awkwardness. People are yeah. so awkward. I don't know what like, to say. Because, like, on Instagram and, um, you know, social media, you can stage what you want to say. You see someone put something, you're like, oh, I can rewrite that, like, six times till it sounds, like, amazing. But when someone catches you face-to-face yeah. off guard, whatever bloody comes out sometimes, you're just like, fuck, what did I just say? Like, that yes. was so stupid. And you're like, I've got to own it now. And, like, I've changed with that. I'll be like, oh, my God, I don't know why I said that. I'm really sorry. I need to, like, just eat that back up. And yeah. I didn't mean it. So I think that's a really good learning in itself and probably some really good advice, Ash, that if you have been guilty of that in the past and, look, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm probably guilty of that too. Like I've probably done it. <laughs> yeah, um, I think we all have. When, yeah. when you're not sitting there in a calm state and able to respond to someone really intentionally, we all say stupid things. Yeah. But you can always repair, right? Yeah. Like you can go back and say, look, I was just listening to this th- this podcast about yeah. um, supporting people through tough times and I've realised that I said that shitty thing to you and I'm so sorry for that. And like because – when you experience whether something traumatic or grief or loss, those things that people say to you, they stay with you. Like that person will walk off and not think about it again. Yeah, all the nice and things go out the window. <laughs> yeah, you just remember yeah, all the yeah. things that you thought And shitty. it just stays with you and you're like, why the fuck did they say that to me? Or they're a fucking idiot. And, you know, but then like someone to then say, I'm going back in time. I remember that. I'm so sorry. You'd be surprised how soon you get over it. That you just feel like they've acknowledged that that was not probably the best thing to say, yeah. even though they didn't mean it. Like, and that's empathy 101, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Just actually imagining what that person might be feeling, what they might be experiencing, and connecting with that. I feel like everyone's going to avoid us so much now. <laughs> People are just like, going to wave from afar. They're like, no, don't know what to say. I'm not going to say well, anything. I think it's hard because when you're not in it, you think something like, oh, well, at least, you know, the cancer's not everywhere. Mm. Sounds so positive. But <laughs> yeah. what I'm hearing is you don't think be it a drama be queen. It's not as bad yes. as what you're making it out to be and it minimizes your feelings, yeah. feeling like, oh, I shouldn't be ungrateful because it could be worse. And that's yeah. not... You know what I mean? Like I'm not in the red, ready to feel grateful. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've just heard this news and I want to. I want you to feel bad. And yeah. Like be like, oh shit, I'm sorry, that's crap. Yes. Yeah. You know. That's and sometimes just saying that, like it sounds like the dumbed down version of the conversation, but just saying fuck, like that is so shit. Yeah. Like just that's suffice. that's it. That's yeah. just suffice. Let's just sit with that for a minute. Like it's just shit. Yeah. And then, you know, it'll probably relax you too that you're like, yeah, I do feel shit and yeah, like exactly. I don't know what the fuck is going on but, hey, I'm working on it. I think that comment that you just shared 
court is not going to open up any kind of dialogue. You're not going to talk to that person about how you're really feeling yeah, or no. like how is, how is that ever going to be helpful? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like so, so if you get, feel like you're getting shut down that they're telling you well, at least, if anyone if you started yes. with you, at least stop talking. No, at least. Yeah. I think that was in my post. <laughs> like <laughs> at least close your mouth, walk away. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but so I know that like it's getting long again with the um, the episode. I just really quickly wanted to touch on the tapping because I wanted to give a personal experience in one of the things that we did because it really did like transform my like emotional self. Um, Sorry, and I just don't understand exactly what it is still. Can, can we do just like, like a little like t- – can we just do like, like a demo? We, it feels like there's going to be like hypnosis or are you tapping on like, a head. Like, like, like what's happening? So, so I, can, wanna... I can probably describe it really easily. Yeah. So you start out um, – basically I use this the EMDR um, way of – retrieving a memory. So I'll ask the client, Ash in this case, a whole heap of different questions about this particular memory. So I get components of um, what happened, what she sees. So she kind of looks at it like a movie, like a video playing out. So it goes back in time. And then we get how she's feeling in the moment in terms of her body. So connecting that memory with where she's at right now in the room. Um, and then she kind of rates that memory a score, um, which is a distress distress scale s- score. So that's out of 10. So if it's kind of at a nine, we want to try and work it down to a one. And that's kind of how she's experiencing it in the present moment. And then we do a sequence of different tapping points around your body and um, tapping on a, it's like a karate chop point on the hand and you repeat a sequence. So I do the tapping with Ash and um, the sequence is, you know, even though I feel this, whatever word she's described, so maybe sore head, tightness in my throat, um, and I see whatever she's seeing in the, the picture. So in Ash's case around this particular memory, we were working with her um, looking at horn on the deck. deck. Um, So I see Horn lying there. Um, I deeply and completely accept myself a few rounds of that. And then you do tapping points around the body three times just using the keywords. So basically what happens is, and again, like I don't want to become the neuroscience nerd, but um, it overrides the memory centers of the brain because our brain can't focus on two things at once. So what happens with memory is that every time we retrieve the memory, it gets recoded, it gets re-embedded. So for Ash remembering that particular memory and retrieving it in a safe, supportive way with somebody there who can support her through it, she's actually restoring that in a completely new way. So that memory will never be the same. Interesting. Yeah. And then we then create another memory, link it with the other about, I guess, you know, um, not a positive story at all, but more just, you know, I did everything I can or I'm a good enough um I'm a good enough wife or I'm a good enough mother or something that's a bit more kind of reality based in terms of the role that she played in that particular memory on the day. Okay. Yeah. So just decreases, I guess, the emotional arousal. Okay. Yeah. What were you, sorry, I cut you off. I no, was like, what no. is it? <laughs> um, so one of the things when we went back into the memory and we did the tapping is that Monique had um, like at the time 2019 Ash and there was 2017 Ash who was lying on the deck with Horn. Um, and in this scenario, she wanted 2019 Ash to talk 
to 2000 and tell her like, you know, everything is going to be okay or like whatever comes, like just say it. And so in this visualisation, my positioning from the actual day was different and this 2017 Ash had her back to 2019 Ash, but where 2019 Ash was standing, she would have been eye contact. But for some reason in my recall, I've got my back to her. And, um, you know, Monique was obviously um, doing what she does and being like, you know, you want to support her, da-da-da. And um, one of the things, like this 2017 Ash did not want to speak to me at all. She did not want to bar me. She didn't turn around. She, like, completely ignored me. And Monique was like, you know, do you want to tell her anything? You know, tell her that you're going to be okay. And I kind of said, I don't feel like I can say that to her because – what she is about to endure over the, you know, next couple of months, years is fucking shit. Like I'm not a liar. Like I don't want to like, am I? It's not okay. It's not okay. Yeah. But like, I, you know, when I'm trying to comfort this person to make them feel better, which is making me think of like the friend that's trying to make you feel better. Mm. Well, like I was trying to be my friend then and like I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. And um, even when I just did try to, you know, communicate, she wanted nothing to do with me. So, um one of the things that um, Monique asked me is something that makes you feel good and like I was in a either an earlier session or earlier in that day and I used to um, get my forehead like patted when I was little like by a parent or like a babysitter or whatever to help me go to sleep and um, when like I was like I just you know just standing there and I didn't say anything and nothing was kind of like received that I just like rubbed like 2017 Ash's forehead like three times and I left um, and I was very upset. Like mm. I was like sobbing probably at that part, but I wasn't unhappy if that makes any sense. Like I was like, I've gone back there. I've, you know, had that time. I've, you know, seen her again. I know where I am now. Um, there's been some ups and downs and, um, you know, that's life. Life is a roller coaster. but like I'm proud of, you know, the person that I've grown into. I'm proud of admitting when I need help. I'm proud of doing the work in therapy. I'm proud of like saying to other people, like, I'm not like going, well, everyone needs therapy because I need it. Like that is not Mm. the case. It's the fact that no one should be afraid or ashamed to reach out for support because there is definitely no shame in, um, you know, using a professional to work through some things because friends and family aren't qualified. And, you know, especially if they're saying, like, dumb shit that upsets you, like, they're definitely not helping, like, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and therapy is something that is very important to me and I'm very grateful that, Monique, you've come on um, to do this. I think that everyone will benefit from listening and from following you at Ritual Counselling on Instagram. And um, Monique is doing our With Love Ash um, special. Or oh, did you have anything else to add, Connie? No, no, no? that's okay. all good. I've had I'm my like, free therapy yeah. session. Like, be quiet now. <laughs> I'm like, so we, um, we like to give something away every episode and I had discussed this with with Monique and obviously um, this is um, broadcasted to whomever listening around the world and um, the way that the world works now, therapy has many different forms and um, Monique is um, going to tell you about her um, gift that she's giving away in the With Love Ash segment. 
Yeah, well, given that this podcast is all about us sharing her story and um, I've been working with her for some time now and we thought it would be fitting to gift away a free session with me, Um, I can do that either online or at my clinic in Burley Heads. And that can be for couple work, for family work or for self-relational work as well. If you have some um, interpersonal relational stuff going on that you want to unpack and explore, then I I would love to work with you um, or even just some general kind of coaching if you're feeling like you're in a bit of a funk at the start of this new year. So in order to enter that competition, if you can jump over to... Yeah, so we're going to get you to head over to Monique's Instagram, which is Ritual Counselling. I'll share on this episode the um, the handle so you can go over there. And then on the um, episode post, you just need to comment your name and state, um, no information, it's can be completely private and um, Monique will randomly select a winner out of a hat, I think you said that you were going to do. Sure, let's keep it old school. And then we'll contact you through your DMs and you can um, choose how you would like to take that um, gift. So that post will be like a little video with Ash's sort of thumbnail in the background. Yeah, yeah, just like the usual episode like post for for then. So, um, again, thank you, Monique, for coming. It's been awesome. I really hope everyone's gotten something out of it. And, uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. I'll be back next week. And just remember, we're all flawed, but we're also fucking fabulous. This episode today has dealt with material of a particularly sensitive nature around the topic of trauma, death and loss. If you are experiencing distress or feeling triggered, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or refer to the show notes for additional supports. This podcast is a part of the Spin Studio Network. To stay up to date with me, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Leave me a review and follow me on Instagram at with Love Ash.